And we are live on a Tuesday. It is the Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. Here we go. So the permission to interview has begun. I got to tell you, it makes this offseason, which was already going to be very interesting because you have the sixth pick in the draft. It adds another layer of just wildness to the season we just had. Conspiracy theories. Whose fault is it? We will continue to try to break it down. The, the Eagles have uh, requested permission to talk to a couple of head coaching candidates. We'll see if they excite anybody. I'm Mike Gill. That's Hunter Brody. Josh Henning is producing today's show. You out there. What's up? So... Any of the names today that have been reported excite you? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. There's a couple that stand out to me. Others I'm kind of mediocre on, right? It's not too crazy, but I'm not devastated if they go that road either. And I understand they're going to interview a bunch of guys so they can get the whole feel-out process. So there'll be names that you love. There'll be names that you don't love. But, yeah, of course, there's a couple that definitely spark interest. How about you? Um, Robert Sala, I mean, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, he seems to me like he would be that leader of men kind of guy. He looks a lot like Gabe Kapler. Does that do anything for you? Oh, don't do that. that the people are not going to like that. That's one of the reasons why Gabe wasn't a fan favorite here, that, that California love. Right, like the second you see Robert Sala at his press conference, you're going to be like, this is Gabe Kapler, or at least it's Gabe Kapler's brother. I can't have this guy be the coach of my football team. That would be a problem. No. Um, yeah, I think he is like the leader of men kind of guy, right? He's the guy that gets you pumped up. You see him running out in the field. There's a picture of him where he needs to be held back. The, the get back guy's like grabbing his shirt because he's running out onto the field. He's that kind of guy. Uh, the rah rah. And obviously, a very good defensive coordinator, right? Even though. The 49ers were not very good this year. Uh, their defense kind of kept them in games. Their defense did a good job, uh, and he's a good coordinator. So, uh, ironically enough, the Eagles, one of the teams they beat was the 49ers. Do you really just want to you want to bring in a guy that you actually had an offense good enough to beat? Well, I mean, they were definitely depleted towards that part of the season. They were depleted all season long, that 49ers team. So, you know, that one game wouldn't be the difference in me thinking highly or low against uh, another individual. Does that scare you? No, I'm oh, just, okay. you know, I, well, there's people out there that might be like, well, the Eagles beat the Niners. Why would I want a guy whose defense couldn't even beat the Eagles? Well, they've had a good defense there, though. So let's look at more of a bigger picture, right? They have. They built a nice program. You've there. also got, um, you've also got, Art Smith, who I'm imagining most people in the audience never heard his name before. He is the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans. He's not doing much for me, and I'll tell you why. Their offense is very play-action with a horse running back. The Eagles don't have Derrick Henry. So I don't know that this play-action offense that they run very successfully in Tennessee is the way to go. Just to play a little devil's advocate, I totally understand where you're coming from. Does he do that because that's the roster he has? Is he such a good OC that he realizes this is what I can do best and he would build a different type of offense in Philly realizing that it's a different core, it's a different unit, and you don't have Derrick Henry. So is he just 
working and adjusting on what he has in front of him. If he realizes, okay, I have different personnel here, I can run a different offense, it's possible. would he do that? It's possible. Don't know. He's been the coordinator there for two years, so that's all we do know of him, is that he turned Derrick Henry from a basically a rotational back. He was part of a, a committee and made him the guy. And I'll tell you who probably loves the man is Ryan Tannehill, who got a 90-plus million-dollar contract because he turned the offense into his, you know, the offense for him. He replaced Matt LaFleur, who, of course, is now the head coach in Green Bay. And, you know, they really changed uh, their offensive identity down there in Tennessee. They, they've been a pretty good offense, but I don't know if it's the fit for the Eagles. He's not one of my top, he's not one of my favorites, but I'm not against it. I just need to learn more information about what his philosophy would be and all that. But yeah, he doesn't move the needle insanely at the top of my list, but I'm not going to rule him out either. Now, yesterday, right here on the Sports Bash, if you were listening to Sal Palantonio, he said Todd Bowles will be a name, and today... Uh, it is being reported that they will request an interview with Todd Bowles, who, of course, is still coaching because of all the candidates. He's one that's team is still involved. He's the defensive coordinator for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tampa Bay's defense this year, one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, they were pretty good defense last year, too. But I think most people will look at Bowles as the coach of the Jets that went 24-40 and 40 in four years with the Jets. And I'm just trying to think, what is it about Todd Bowles that is impressive to Jeffrey Lurie that he's on this list that it seemingly has a lot of new and younger guys on it? Bowles is 57. He's been a head coach with the Jets. He's been a coordinator before in Arizona. And now he's back with Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay. I don't know what Bowles does for he doesn't push my pile all that much I understand I definitely do and, and I just wonder if Jeffrey Lurie is going with the mindset of let me interview a bunch of different pieces so you have the experienced guy in Todd Bowles who's been around the block for a long period of time at the NFL level you possibly can talk to Lincoln Riley who's a younger college guy you have the offensive coordinator who's been in Tennessee for a couple years maybe he's just going with let's talk to everyone why rule anything out let's try the experienced guy let's try the young guy let's try the middle ground guy and and just see, it doesn't hurt to interview these people. So maybe that's what he's going with. And I don't really, I don't mind that if that's the case. Well, well, yeah, I mean, look, obviously you do your due diligence and you talk to everybody that you can. Um, I'm just saying, you can talk to everyone you can. It doesn't mean I have to be excited about everyone you oh, talk to. Oh, for sure. To. Oh, for sure. No doubt about it. But I also can throw this at you, right? Because I mentioned to you yesterday, Jim Caldwell, what would you do? Would you be interested in an experienced guy who's been around the block? And everyone looks at what he did in Detroit and say, well, it really wasn't that fantastic. But who succeeds in Detroit? Can I throw that at you with Todd Bowles? Who succeeds in New York over the last couple of years? Who has success there? Is that more of a product of the organization than it is the head coach? Let's repeat that again real fast. So when you look at the New York Jets, do a, do a lot of people succeed there? Can you view what he did there and say that's who he is? Because no one really oh, okay. has success yeah, in New I, York. I thought that's what you were, but I, I, um, I don't know. I mean, when they made a couple signings, what, last year? It was last year. They got like Le'Veon Bell. They had made, they signed the linebacker. Some of the names are escaping, but people thought that the Jets last year may have been a playoff team. Like they were like the hot, like they might be a playoff team. And Gase was just such a – they won seven games last year. They weren't awful, awful, but um, it's a fair question. Like, why would we have thought those Todd Bowles teams would win? I might ask the same question of this year's Eagles team, though. 
Why am I firing Doug Peterson? Who the hell was winning with this group of vagabonds? Great question. I think the reason why they fired him is pretty easy at this point. It's the fact that Doug Peterson was not willing to move on of his vision with the coaching staff. You know, Doug went in to meeting number two after knowing meeting number one was so poor, not changing anything. That tells you everything you need to know about how this went down. Doug Peterson, as you alluded to yesterday, just did not want to be here anymore. He was fed up. So that's why they fired him. They didn't want to. That wasn't the game plan when they trotted him out with Howie Roseman a couple of days after the season. No, absolutely not. And I think, again, I, I, I'm hard steadfast on this, that he didn't want to be here anymore. That's that's clear as day to me. Right. Um, but one of the reasons it got to that point is because the season was so bad. That's very true. If they were 9-7 and seven and not 4-11-1, and one, you're probably not in this situation right now. So, yes, the season was what started the conversation that we're even in now. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it from this perspective, the Eagles did not expect to be 4-11-1. So they had to, at the end of the year, say, why are we 4-11-1? And that's how it got to this whole mess that we're in right now because nobody expected this to happen. And I think it got so bad and that Doug Peterson just essentially just could not, did not want to see it through. He did not because what I, I I didn't want to go back and listen to the whole Lori thing, but I read some <laughs> of the transcript answers. And what I take from it is this: Lori felt that they need to kind of rebuild a little bit, and Peterson didn't agree with that. He I think Peterson said the injuries are the reason why we had such a bad year, and I don't think Lori sees it that way. And I don't know if I necessarily blame Jeffrey Lori for having that mentality, though. But you can also throw Howie Roseman in the mix. Is this Jeffrey Lurie maybe getting, not mind-tricked or anything, but how much input did Howie Roseman have in this? As if, hey, Jeffrey, why don't we have a conversation? I think it's time to rebuild. Did Jeffrey Lurie really feel this way, or was he pushed to feel this way? Did, did Howie Roseman look um, at the situation and go, hey, Jeffrey Lurie, I think maybe we should sit down and talk about the future of this team. And he was... Because when I hear Jeffrey Lurie speak, I almost feel like I'm. if I close my eyes, it sounds very similar to Howie Roseman. Like, they're one and the same, those two people. When they speak, it's almost as if they have a similar message. Well, you heard Lurie yesterday. I mean, he has a ton of respect for Howie Roseman. They are joined at the hip, essentially. They People who want him to make Roseman accountable, it's not happening. The only logical thing that I see out of that is, why is he not being held accountable? Well, maybe Jeffrey Lurie knows behind closed doors, Howie Roseman is not at fault for all of these mistakes like it is seen to the public. Because that's the only thing that makes sense, right? Well, Rob Motti, who's going to uh, join us today at 3 o'clock, he asked a question that really brought the answer out that we all wanted to hear. And it was, there's an overwhelming feeling overwhelming sentiment among the fans that the biggest problem with this team has been town evaluation. And Laurie said, I think the best way to look at it is you got to look at every aspect of drafting and talent acquisition. And if you're making short-term decisions or you have a veteran team or you're specifically focusing in on one position or things like that or a lower volume of picks, there. and, and he said lower volume of picks. What is he saying? You remember... They only had five picks for two years in a row. So he's essentially saying, well, we only had five picks those years. Of course we weren't going to get, you know, replenish our talent pool. And he made that comment of, well, essentially our scouting people, our decision makers, 
They ranked guys. But those guys weren't on the board when it got yeah, to Yeah, that's us. a silly thing to say, though. And that's not true because the guys that everyone's freaking out about went behind you. Justin Jefferson went behind you. DK Metcalf went behind you. And even if he does say that, like, to me, that's that's crap, Gil. I mean, you are supposed to be an NFL franchise where you have to be prepared for guys that fall above you. So what type of excuse is, well, the guys we wanted got picked. I don't know what you want me to do. Are you really trying to sell to the people that that's okay? Because that's not. That's not okay. You're supposed to be prepared for those situations because guys are going to get ripped off your draft board all the time. What do you do then? That's how you're supposed to be prepared. So I hated that answer. I really did. Yeah, that's his way of saying our scouts board was right. It was they didn't come, they, those players that they really liked. So they evaluated these players as good players. And because of that, I'm impressed. But how do you feel about that? I think it's a half-assed answer. Okay, I do. Good. I'm, I'm glad you feel that way because, I mean, I think it's it's ridiculous. And once again, I bring up the guys that most people are upset about actually went behind you. So it's not even, even as if that's valid to the loud people screaming right now because we know the two names that constantly get brought up, and that's DK and Jefferson. Yeah, uh, the DK stuff Roseman kind of hinted at as we had a red flag on him. He didn't say it by name. A lot name. of people did, though. So I'm, I'm torn on that. But at the end of the day, you watch him play, and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to just say, well, uh, you, you know, oh, since you had a neck problem, you know? It's like, man, this kid can play. Well, a lot of people had a red flag I know. Flag I know him. they did. I know they did. Yeah. That is very true. A lot of people did write him off due to the injuries. So I, 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 here's a question that I've brought. I, I've hinted at a few times, or not hinted at, I've said a few times. Are we just overreacting to where this team is because we're too close to the situation? Like, if you remove yourself from following this team all year long and going through the highs and lows and how ugly, and it was an ugly year. There was not one enjoyable game except for really, but I go, okay, except for really the games that Hurts played. So they weren't all that non-competitive they just were really banged up. But when Hurts, they were a competitive football team. So I guess everyone's talking about how bad this roster is, and they're old, and they're and they're that's not an attractive team. Is it as bad as it's make people are making it sound like this old, expensive roster? Um, is it that bad? I do. I, I do think it. it might not be to the absolute extreme as people are saying it is, like to the low, low of lowest. No, I don't think it's to that level, but it's absolutely not good enough. And I'm not against the philosophy of maybe looking at this more big picture than short term, right? If if the owner is coming out and saying that, and let's be realistic, we can't take everything he said as gospel here because he did dance around a lot and it was embarrassing. But I think there's a reason why he is saying that because it's probably best because this roster is getting older, it is getting expensive, and it is time to somewhat hit the refresh button. So I, I do think it's bad, but is it as low as what the fan base is saying. Maybe not as low, but it's still clearly nowhere good enough. So it's somewhere in between that. Right. Like the the in other words, like was Doug Peterson in the wrong by saying, I think we can compete. And Jeffrey Lurie saying, I don't think so. You know, it's like because I'll go back to what I've been saying. If I'm Doug Peterson, I'm I, I'm just saying like if I'm Doug Peterson, I'm probably looking at it as Man, you give me Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, Andre Dillard back. My offense aligns a lot better, and that changes the complexion of this offense. 
and all we need to do, make a couple tweaks on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I'll let Howie figure out how to manipulate the cap, get us a couple of players here. We have the sixth pick in the draft. That's going to get us a player there. Like, is Doug so off base by thinking, just let me get my guys, get my stability back in the coaching staff, and let me have a healthy offense. I mean, it's no guarantee that they're going to stay healthy, but the mindset is that they're going to be back, and that if I have, if I can streamline and get some comfortability back in 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 the line and the coaching staff, we're not that far away. I do think that's a little off base. I do. I, I think that's him going with the coaching mentality. But here's the thing. From a head coach, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad mindset to have because it shows like confidence in himself that, look, hey, I can fix this. But if you look at it logically, I do think that that's a little aggressive. And I'll throw this out there. Would he feel that way if the division wasn't so poor? Is that a factor? Does he feel that way because he knows that some of these teams are not that great and he might be able to take advantage of that? I think that's valid to throw that into the equation. But yeah, I do think that's off base because then you're essentially saying, let's run it back with the same people and with older players that already got hurt, why should we believe that that's going to be the best thing for this franchise? 609-403-0973. We got anytime hotline calls we're going to play in about 15 minutes from now to get reaction from what happened yesterday. Now, obviously, the whole situation, okay, the way it happened yesterday, it's easy to see that Doug Peterson didn't want to be here. Now there's some, I heard Sal today on Greeny saying he doesn't even know if he wants to coach again next year. And I am not surprised to hear that. I've been saying for a while, he doesn't want to do this anymore. Like, I think Sal is just like burned out from all of it. Like, being told what to do, dealing with the media, dealing with questions after these games. I have to imagine... The COVID and all that stuff wore people out that, you know what, I just need time away from this. So I don't even know that he wanted to come here. You asked yesterday, well, was it if it wasn't 411-1, did he not want to be here? I said, I don't know if he wants to do this anywhere. I don't know that Doug just want, wants to coach next year. I'd be really surprised. And I mean, just surprised because I think he can land a job easily. That's why I would be surprised. But would that? how does that look for the Eagles organization? And you, you mentioned something I didn't even think about. Just the fatigue of the COVID every day doing this and that. Just from a human being standpoint, take away football, the fact that you got to go into the NovaCare complex. you got to get tested every day, this and that. That absolutely plays a toll. Hell, me and you were fatigued from it, and we don't even have to go through something like that every day. So I'm sure that that adds context to this for sure. But when you look at it from an eagle standpoint, imagine having a coach leave and then just someone who can easily get a job say, I I'm so mentally exhausted, I can't even coach anymore. How is that viewed from an Eagles perspective? Does that even make Howie and Jeffrey Laurie look more like fools? Or is it not related? <laughs> like you drove this guy out of football almost right. because you're so involved. Right. I don't know. I, 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 don't I hear know. what you're saying. This text board is funny. Howie Roseman is the modern-day John Gotti. He commits unforgettable crimes and gets away with it. No high-profile coach will want to come. Now, that comment there, I can't agree with. Yeah, I'm with you. No high-profile coach will want to come into this toxic organization like the Eagles currently are. Let me ask you, what high-profile coach are you insinuating? Right. Is he? Does he think Lincoln is Robert Riley? Sala right, that's a high-profile coach? He's a coordinator, and guess what? If you're a coordinator and you get offered a head coaching job, 
You could have SpongeBob SquarePants be like my Nickelodeon. I was going to say, did you watch the broadcast? I did. You could have SpongeBob SquarePants be the GM, and you're going to go from coordinator to head coach. Yes, you are. So this whole no high profile. Who's high? What do you mean, Bill Cower? You want you want Tony Dungy, like a whole pro, high, high profile head coach? No, you're not luring one of those older former Super Bowl champions. And maybe you will. I don't know. Maybe Tony Dungy or Bill Cower say, you know what? I haven't coached in 15 years. I'd love to coach. What's going on in the Eagles' front office is not deterring people from taking this job. I hate to break it to you. There's 32 jobs in the world that are head coach of an NFL football team. You're getting somebody to take that job. And guess what? If you remember the last time they hired, they wanted Adam Gase, and Ben McAdoo. Ben McAdoo. And those two guys got hired by other places. You got stuck with Doug Peterson. Someone will always want the job. You said no high-profile coach. Is Art Smith high-profile? Is Robert Sala high-profile? Is Todd Bowles high-profile? No. Is Eric Bieniemy high-profile? Probably not. Eric bieniemy has been passed over for jobs for three straight offseason. If someone offers him one, he's taking it. He's got five different teams. Now, you might say, hey, they're up against the Jets. They're up against the Falcons. They're up against the Lions. They're up against the Jaguars. They're up against Chargers. The Chargers. Justin Herbert. Yeah, um, the Falcons. So they have competition. But to say that no high-profile coach will want to come into this organization, I don't know that, they, they're, that they're even targeting a high-profile coach. I agree. And I think maybe the texture just meant whoever is the hot item is the high-profile coach. But that's not true. Just because you're the best available and you're everybody wants, that doesn't mean that you technically are a high-profile coach. So it, it, maybe the wording is throwing us off a bit. But just to the beginning of the text about Howie Roseman getting away with murder, getting away with robbery and all, that's where it comes back to something tells me the reason why he's not being held accountable is because he's not involved with some of these brutal picks. It's the only, th of course he's involved. Let me rephrase that. He's involved. But in terms of he's the one, he's the guy that's fully saying, I'm going with this guy. If he was, then he would be held accountable. I just feel that internally we don't have all that information. So maybe he doesn't have that. That's the only thing that makes sense. But then I always go back to since when does this organization make sense? So I'm somewhat conflicted a little bit. Well, a couple of reports that came out last night that might tick off some listeners and fans and whatever, but... You might not like to hear this, and I've been kind of saying this, and I texted you last night. According to a couple of reports here, all right, there is summer now. You could say this is the Eagles' spin zone, right? Um, that Eagles, uh, Howie Roseman is publicly taking heat for failed draft picks and signings. But my understanding is Roseman drafted and made decisions based on Doug Peterson and his staff's preference, scheme, and fit. In Justin Jefferson's case, Eagles, Scouts, and Roseman wanted Jefferson. Peterson and the coaches wanted Rieger. Yeah, but my counter to that is, if that is the case, and if that did go down that way, if you think Jefferson can be what he is, 
There's no way you allow Doug Peterson to sway you as a GM. You're supposed to be above that. Now, you can have conversations and you you can totally assess things. But if you think Jefferson is this, there's no way you let that slip through your fingers. So from a GM standpoint, whether Doug had impact or not, you got to put your foot down and be like, no, 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 trust me. And when Jefferson has a season like he does in an Eagles uniform, you say, see, I told you so. Only time will prove Howie Roseman would have been right. So goes back to... Again, what I've been saying is Roseman doesn't have the power that everybody is blaming him he would for ha- having. But we're told you want that- him to have that power. Well, we were told Doug had no power. None, right? So how is his voice overstepping Howie Roseman's for that decision? That's where it's not adding up to Well, me. unless he sold Lori. Right. Now that would totally change it for because sure. Because another sure. report last night from Jeff McClain, who wrote a really good piece on this whole situation... McLean essentially said that Lori was the one who really advocated for J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Yes, he did. And we knew that for a little bit of time now. So you're right. If Doug sold Lori, then absolutely I think differently. If Doug sold Howie, that's where I have the problem with Howie, where he needs to put his foot down. Well, but, and Sal Powell has said on our show, it's not a Howie thing. It's a collaborative effort. But is it? Because we were told Doug he has would know nothing. more than I would. No, you're right. But I'm just saying, it feels like Doug has not collaborative between Lori and Howie, maybe. But I don't know if Doug has literally any voice. And that's one of the reasons why he walked out of there happily with a big sigh of relief. Well, I think a lot of that had to do with coaching. Not so much personnel. You think he had say in personnel, but not coaching? Yeah. I don't know. I think he had no say. Well, I mean, when, when they drafted... Um, Jalen Hurts, when Sal Powell said, Doug Peterson signed off on that. I think he was forced to sign off on that. But this goes back to, it's a three-person room. Peterson and the coaches, I say three-person. Peterson and the coaches. Roseman and the decision-making team. And then Lori. Who can sell Lori? What side can get to Lori? And they win. So Roseman doesn't get his way if Peterson sells Lori... Hey, Rieger will fit in our offense. We're going to use them like this. It's like Shark Tank. They're trying to convince the Sharks to invest in their company. Anytime hotline calls are on the other side, your calls as well. Buzz in now. We'll get you on 609-573-3776. 609-573-3776. You buzz. We'll get you on. Text board is open, 609-403-0973. Sports Bash brought to you by East Coast Roofing, Siding Windows, Serving all of South Jersey, you call, they'll show up online, eastcoastroofing.com. All right, open lines. We will take some calls to start off the show, 609-573-3776. Turn it on. Leave it on. The Sports Bash on 97.3 ESPN. All right, 2.30 on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN. 609-573-3776. ESPN. That's the way you can chime in. Because there's certain topics in certain times when we want to hear your frustration. We want to hear your ideas. I'm interested to see, do you agree with Doug Peterson being gone? Who do you think the next coach should be? I know 
85% of the audience wants Roseman out. So please don't give me the whole Roseman needs to go. He ain't going anywhere. And quite frankly, the whole notion of that it's only his fault, I think, is a flawed one as well. I think he has, like, put it this way. If Howie Roseman got fired tomorrow, would he have another job? He's been the GM of a very successful team. People failed to give Roseman this credit. We went over it yesterday. In the tenure that he's been here, Roseman's owned the uh, – Lori's owned the team, I think, 27 years. They went to the playoffs 15 times. Yeah, but see, he tried to sell us that again yesterday, and he's talking about how great they are at drafting and how many NFC championship games they've been in. Howie Roseman wasn't a product of that, though, because he wasn't the one making those decisions. That was an Andy Reid thing. That was another regime thing. So, you know, that, that goes back to something he said yesterday as well about the draft picks. When you start talking about hitting on these guys and how many playoff games you've been in, while Howie Roseman was a part of the front office, he wasn't the one in the spot that he's in now. Since he's been in the spot he's been in now... It's different. You haven't had the same success. So it goes back to that. When when Jeffrey Lurie looks at all the success that they've had, it wasn't when Howie Roseman was in power like he is now. One of the constants of the success, however, has been, and this goes for and against the Roseman argument, he was the GM. We are failing to give him credit for that. So we're picking and choosing when we want to give Roseman credit and when we don't want to give him credit. Well, here's how fair or unfair. Unfair for you to say that because not necessarily. He was the GM. Yeah, but when Andy Reid was in charge, he had final say on personnel. When guys were here, they had final say on personnel. But we when don't Doug know that. Here, we don't we know that. that Roseman. No, we knew about Andy. We don't know that Roseman has the same power that Reid had. He's got way more than he did then. Way more than he did then. Yeah, because we that, know Doug has zero power. Well, that's not necessarily true. Doug had no... That's why Doug was frustrated here, because he wasn't able to get his voice across. I think he was frustrated that he want, wanted his coaching staff. I don't know about personnel. We really well, he haven't... Made it, he made it clear. He, he, said he, wanted, he said that in one of his pressures towards the end. He said, I want to have my voice heard when it comes to personnel decisions. So he did not have a voice here. It's very unfortunate. So then it you're saying you don't way. agree with these reports? I think that there's a reason why all these reports are coming out now. There's a lot to be said about leaking stories. And it's crazy that none of these stories... Well, I've heard the, the Jefferson stuff before. I, I've heard it too, but it's crazy that none and of these the stories... And the Ortega stuff. There's nothing bad about Howie Roseman dropping at all from any of these media outlets over the last three weeks. I think he's got piled on enough. <laughs> uh, no, I think that they're leaking... I think the inside the NovaCare complex is leaking stories, which is what they do. Everyone does it. It's not like the Eagles are the only one to do it. They do it. Yeah. But it's crazy. No, I'm talking about, like, yesterday there was reports that Roseman... Um, you know, that Peterson just was sick of being told what to do, which is essentially saying that Roseman kind of, you know, and, and Laurie. I think Laurie and Roseman, by proxy, are joined at the hip. I agree with that. I definitely do agree with that. But that definitely means Howie Roseman deserves a lot of blame for what's going on. The problem is he's not going anywhere. Adam in Hamilton. You're on 97.3. What's up, Adam? Hey, it's actually Otto. Otto. It's what's actually up? Otto from Hamilton, but no big deal. It's not a very common name. Um, so look, obviously this is the type of day sports radio is made for. Everyone wants to talk about it. I don't really want to get into whether or not Peterson should have been fired, uh, but what I do want to talk about is who the Eagles should go with next. And people are going to throw the same tired names around always, but I'm going to go with someone new who people wouldn't necessarily think of. I think Josh Hennig should be coach. I saw him in the locker room the other day. You just see the apple bags on that guy. He is hung. 
Great job. Awesome stuff. He's probably um, not qualified, though. I would say the same. Being a large man would not get you qualified. All right, let's go to Ryan in Cape May. Ryan, you're on 97.3. What's up, Ryan? What's up, Gil? we got to do a better job screening these calls. <laughs> well, I mean, they can lie to you. I mean, you know what, what I mean? am I supposed to <laughs> Yeah. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just fine. But what I, Gil, I think we should have, I think Howie, I think Lurie, everyone should have just took a chill pill and said, you know what, guys, let's meet up in two months and let's go from there because we're about to enter rich code tight era 3.0. It's going to be a whirlwind for the next, I'm going to say at least five years. Well, do you think, think it's bad now? Do you think it's, it's that bad though? Like, are we, again, are we like all over? We thought this team at the beginning of this year could have potentially been a Super Bowl team, and now we think it's the worst team in, potentially in the league? It went that quick? No, no, no. That, that, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it was that bad. I think with everything going on, no one should have been fired. I think we should have just just took, taken a step back and said, we're not making any changes. We're going to make some tweaks. But I think we made some rash moves too soon, especially firing Doug Peterson. They, yeah, I think Doug is burned out. But I think Meeting up in two or three months and just going, starting over from scratch and saying, look, let's try to put some of this behind us would have been the much better move than going down the field we're going down right now. Yes. Yep. I don't think that. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, I don't think that Doug, like, f- from looking at it from this standpoint, did Doug deserve to get fired? No. And Jeffrey Laurie even alluded to that as well. I don't think Doug deserved to get fired for what he has done here. But I do think, and I don't he know. He didn't even really get fired. He right, kind of right. decided he didn't want to coach anymore. But it, the fact that it got to the toxic level that it did, I just don't know if there was ever, if it was ever going to come back to reality, if you were ever going to fix things and patch things up. I just think it got so negative that it got past well, a certain point. It's almost like. You got to a point where you just couldn't come to an agreement. Right. Like, you, like, cooler heads could not prevail. And it wasn't like I hate you heads. Like, I have a buddy of mine. We argue all the time. But, in fact, he called me today and we talked for, like, 45 minutes on the phone. We don't agree on anything. But at the end, it was like, hey, that was a really productive because we both let each other talk. We both have our opinions. We both try to take it all in. And I don't think there was any point, though, where they, like, at the end of the call... I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me. Okay, well, have a nice day at work. I'll listen to you on the radio. Okay, see ya. That's me and Schwime every Sunday. It's me and Schwime all the time. <laughs> Including right now that he's texting me. Like, Schwime, I'm kind of working here, yeah. buddy. But at the end of the day, I think they respected each other and just said, we're not going to agree. We're just not going to agree. And if we can't agree, we, we're, it's not that we're not friends anymore. Just time to go to work. I got to get in the shower. I'll see you later. And 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 Peterson said, if we're not going to agree. It's probably better that I'm not here anymore. We can still be friends. Give me a call tomorrow. But I'm going to be the coach of the Houston Texans or the. Je- I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't think there was animosity. No, I don't think so either. I really don't. And I think it's just it tells you everything you need to know that the first meeting went so poorly that Jeffrey Laurie essentially said, Doug, reassess things, think about it. Come back with a better game plan, and then we can have this conversation again in Florida. And Doug Peterson rolled in with the same exact game plan. I mean, it really is telling you everything you need to know about how Doug approached this. Yeah, I, I think Doug and, and Lori, to some extent, had no hard feelings. Yeah, because they didn't want to do this. It's not like Lori was banging on the table saying, I need to get rid of Doug Peterson. They truthfully wanted to move forward with this guy. Yeah, there was no like iron fist here. Um, and the people are going to be mad at Roseman, 
and Jeffrey Lurie is going to tell those people about Roseman, look, how many organizations in the NFL have had the level of success that we have had during my tenure as owner? I know, I just hate that because so much of that success, and I know the Super Bowl was recent, but so much of that that he keeps harping on was in the early 2000s. It's 2021, and I know they just won the Super Bowl, so I get it. But he's harping on all the success, NFC Championship games, division after division after division. Yeah, that was in a totally different era. We haven't had that same su- sustained success that you're talking about in this most recent era, even though they won the Super Bowl. I know that sounds crazy, but you definitely understand what I'm getting at here. Well, in the era that Roseman has been here, I guess around 2000 is about when he got here. I don't know what his role was, but evidently, Lori values whatever he did back then enough. But that doesn't mean it's right. It just means that he's not going anywhere because he's the one that makes the decision. Well, we don't, but again, we're downplaying what Roseman's role was on those teams. Yeah, and I think it's fair to because we know how great Andy Reid, like Andy Reid speaks for himself. The fact that he's here and he's doing it everywhere just shows you how good he is at this. And he's been doing it for a long time in many spots. So it, it, it's okay to downplay Howie Roseman's job at that time because you're seeing the success of Andy Reid everywhere else every year. Well, so. this is where it gets interesting because. They won all those games from 2000 to 2010. They won double-digit games every year, but but two, really, three. They went 9-6-1 and one, one year. So they won 11 and then this is where they started to go down. So they go to eight, then they go to four, and after the eight, or the four is when Reed gets fired. Now, there was a time in there. So then Roseman takes over. The next year they go back to 10 wins. And then it gets a little wonky again because Chip Kelly takes over in terms of the personnel decisions. And they win 10 wins again, and then they go down to seven because there was that hole where Chip took over the personnel. So for a couple of years there, in 13 and 14, I guess Roseman was not involved at all, right? Yeah, that's what they claim. And then, so the one year that he was involved, the first year of Chip Kelly, that draft class was very good, actually. That was Lane Johnson, Zach Ertz. That was their first draft class. After that, not so good. And then this is where it gets murky again because they hire Doug Peterson, and then Roseman's back in charge. And then you win the Super Bowl. So really, Roseman has essentially been in charge, in my estimation, for about one, two, three, four draft classes. And are those four good enough? Um, well, the one was very good. It got Elaine Johnson and Zach Ertz. I don't remember who else was in that draft class. That was... Chip Kelly, though, what was but, that? The but year? Roseman was the GM of that team. That was Chip Kelly's first. Oh, year his here. first. So he that was before Chip Kelly entered. Well, Chip Kelly was the coach, but he didn't have the power when he was the first year coach. It wasn't until Correct. the second year Correct. when he said, "Look, I, I'm taking over personnel," and he was an abomination. I mean, he drafted horribly. Yes, Marcus Smith. Correct. JJ uh, Nelson Aguilar, <laughs> who was okay. Um, yeah, not as bad as Marcus Smith. But so, but the point. So then, the second time when Roseman got back in charge, that is when this collaborative effort has kind of come into play here, where I think Lori said, 
we tried it this way, we tried it that way, I'm getting involved now. And we're going to hire a coach who's going to get on the same page as all of us. Yeah, it's just so hard for me to really like defend Howie Roseman's case at this point just because all the success that they keep talking about is when other guys were in charge of personnel decisions. So, And you're right, it is murky. It's not as if it's a clear-cut answer and we absolutely know everything that's happening behind closed doors because it's not. But it's almost as if, you know, all the success that they keep just raving about and saying, look at what we've done, look at what we have, have built, and look at all this success. Yeah, well, the guy that you're praising wasn't even fully in charge then. So what are we supposed to do no, with that? No, but he's not praising the one guy. He's not giving credit to Howie Roseman. Well, he was he's because He's saying that our team. Well, that's that was the question asked by Rob Motti, specifically saying this guy has drafted one Pro Bowler, which is Carson Wentz, and Pro Bowls are not even easy, not even hard to make. It's easy to make, and that's when he kind of went on this whole sustained success thing. So yeah. it, it was as if he was trying to back up and support Howie, because clearly that question was targeted towards. Sure, the oh, absolutely. And and his point was, I think he was saying, look at all these guys that we've had in our front office that have all been poached from us. Because we have a good formula. People respect the way that we do things, so they come after our front office guys. They come after Joe Douglas. They come after Andrew Barry. They come after these guys in our front office. And the guys we have in this front office, you're going to start to see people come after them too. So he's essentially saying the process of people that we put in here is respected around the league. Well, just because people do it. I mean, you're one yourself that says, what has Joe Douglas done? They might pick at those guys, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're good guys. At well, I guess these people who think Joe Douglas was the reason why the Eagles were good, well, then if they're the reason why they're good, he's got to be the reason why they suck now. Right, but that's my point. Is like just because guys pick from you, because perspective, you know, they could look at it a certain way and it not be reality. You go get Joe Douglas, and he ends up being a bum. Some of these guys are like, "Hey, let's just pick from the Eagles because they they've won games in the past," and then they realize, well, well, that's with everything though. Like people go to New England because New England has success. Just because you get Matt Patricia doesn't mean he's going to be a good head coach. You go get Josh McDaniels because he's in New England doesn't mean he's going to be a head coach. You can get these front office guys, Thomas Dimitrov from New England. It doesn't mean he's going to build a Super Bowl champion. You're trying to get them because you like the formula of where he's coming from, and you're hoping that he can bring that formula and execute it. Right, but I'm just saying you look internally, and you can see something from the outside and it not be reality. So, like, Joe Douglas might have looked great in Philadelphia, but you start getting him and you start seeing him make moves. You're like, what the hell is this? You know, like the perception of the Eagles could be a lot yeah. different than the reality from the Eagles. So this is from Jeff McClain's piece in the Enquirer. Lori knows as well as anyone about the process and the details because he's a part of it intimately. He lobbied for wide receiver J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the second round of the 2019 draft and got Peterson to go along with him, per sources. Roseman won at Parrish Campbell, must have figured he had no choice but to sign off. Yeah, we knew about that one. That one was big. So there's an example that people want to blast Roseman for the J.J. Arcega-Whiteside pick he essentially had nothing to do with. Well, I mean, so he how still many... has some say. It's not like he just he sure, does he has... signed off on I'll go with you. Yeah. But that's not who I'm recommending. Right? Yeah. Okay. So a year later, Lori was on board when Roseman selected quarterback Jalen Hurts in the second round, per sources, even though Wentz was less than a year from receiving a franchise contract extension and the Eagles had other needs. It's unclear how the pick affected Wentz, but the process was flawed. Roseman had disregarded his scout's choice of safety, Jeremy 
chin. He was a stud. And the results were disastrous. The same could be said of Roseman's decision to take his coach's advice over his scouts and draft receiver Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson around earlier. So essentially, he wanted uh, Hurts. The scouts wanted Chin. The coaches said, no, we want this guy. And Roseman acquiesced to the coaches. Not for the Hurts one. For the Hurts. No, for... For the Ra- so the that's, that gives you an example of every single one. That gives you the example of Jeffrey Lurie being in place. That t- gives you the example of Howie Roseman won in Hurts. And that shows you the example of the coach stepping in and saying, I want Rager. So that just shows you the dysfunction up top. Correct. It gives you every single problem at the top. Which makes it what? Difficult to point the finger at any right, but one person, which is one, what they want. Right, but that last one, GM overhead coach. Lori, different story. GM overhead coach. If you think Jefferson can be this, I don't care what. That's not the way they run it. That's the way you want them to run it, but that's not the way they run it. But that's the, what a GM is. He has the yeah, last not say for here. a reason. He has the final say. No, I don't think yes, so. He, we will, he has the last say. I don't believe that. Okay. And, and if he well, did, well, then yeah. these wouldn't happen. He These does stories have la- wouldn't he- happen. They'd have Justin Jefferson on their team because if he had the last say and that's who he wanted and he had the last say, he'd say, sorry, Doug, I know you and your guys want Rieger. We're going with and Jefferson. And that's why people criticize him. Maybe he did Because he, he doesn't mistake. have the last say. He-, he has the last say. I don't agree. Okay. Sports Pass Live, 97.3. SPN. All right, Sports Pass Live, 97.3 ESPN, 609-573-3776, 609-573-3776. What's going on? All right, we'll fit in a couple of uh, calls in the next hour as well. Rob Motti's going to join us. So this is from an interview we did with Sal Palantonio back right after the draft. It was uh, April 30th he was on the show. And this is at 97.3 ESPN.com. He said, quote, on the Jalen Hurts pick. He said, this is a Doug Peterson pick. There's no question about it. Um, Doug Peterson wants Jalen Hurts' skill set on the football team. This was Doug Peterson's pick. He and Press Taylor want to transform this offense. They need to be more dynamic and productive and more reliable at the quarterback position, and Jalen Hurts does that for them. Peterson and Roseman are co-equal partners. Roseman makes the call, but he is not going to do anything that Peterson hasn't bought into. Roseman owes Peterson, and Peterson owes Roseman for that Super Bowl trophy we saw in his office on draft night. I could dissect so much into that quote if we weren't hitting the heartbreak. <laughs> but look, it goes against everything McLean put out on his piece, so it's conflicting reports then because, you know, he, he was saying that that was all Howie. Yeah, well, and he's saying that... Roseman makes the call, but he's not going to do anything that Peterson hasn't bought into. I don't, yeah, because they forced him to buy into it. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But that's where you would say then Peterson needs to step up and say, you know? Sure. Absolutely. It shows a lot of dysfunction. Yeah, it does. It, it does. All right. Uh, on the other side, we will get your calls. We promise that. Anytime hotline, we will play them. Rob Motti coming up.